Welcome to the Crosslight Bible Study Podcast, a verse-by-verse study through the scriptures with Rob Harston. Thank you for joining us today. Now here's Rob. Hello, everybody. Good Sunday, and welcome to the Crosslight Bible Study Podcast. I'm glad you guys could join today, and uh, we're going to continue in our Freedom in Christ series in the book of Galatians. And guess what? We are going to finish chapter four. Finally, it's been a while. Easter kind of took a little bit of that. And I've been just kind of taking my time through uh, the book of Galatians, but hopefully we can speed up and get uh, chapter five and chapter six done so we can move on to other things. I have a lot of uh, things that I've been praying about to do the podcast on. So uh, I'm excited to get started uh, in those. And uh, so just want to get that done. Uh, last week, uh, sorry, uh, I, I, and I didn't even put this out on, on, on my social media page either for the podcast that uh, last Sunday was just really busy for me all week. And um, so I just decided to uh, put a teaching on there that I did uh, about a year ago, two years ago uh, on the Bible. And uh, that was a fun night. I got to teach a class on the Bible and it was great. So if you haven't listened to that, that is archived in the podcast. So you can take a listen. If you have, I hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed it. So, uh, but today... Today, we are going to be, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and grab those. And we are going to be in Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. And the title of my message is, The Choice is Yours. So, uh, like I said, we've been studying uh, Galatians for a bit, and we have seen a, a lot of things, but I'll just kind of catch us up to finish up a little bit of this um of this chapter and 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 thus far Paul has we've seen Paul pounding home the fact that the law will only lead to destruction this is what he was trying to convey to these believers and the, and the Galatian believers they've already he's been telling you you've already been set free you have liberty in Christ and and it seems as though that this has been repetitive right maybe it's just me and my voice uh, or or just me being repetitive uh, but Paul was pretty much pounding this, this 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 fact home so he is he is constantly reminding them of this and I guess that's what I've been doing the last few weeks is is the law leads to destruction we already have liberty in Christ so we don't need to go back we don't need to go backwards we need to continue forwards and the Galatian believers, they, they had been told that there are requirements to attaining salvation, and that, that was to live by the law. It was something that they did or would do. It was something that they would fulfill. It was something that they would accomplish, but it made it all about them. It was what they were doing to attain salvation, and we know that that's not true. We know that's not true. And the believers in Galatia had once embraced the message of grace, and at some point, listening to these Judaizers, they decided to fall back to the message of works. Now, now, Paul had already stated the fact that the law was to keep us until grace came, right? And the law was to show us what sin was. See, Paul says it was our tutor to bring us to Christ. It showed that we were sinners in need of a savior. This was all the law was meant to do. But these Judaizers took it 15 steps farther and said that this is the way you need to live if you want to receive salvation uh, in, in Jesus. And today we will find out uh, we, uh, we will find Paul making his his closing arguments like like a like a powerful lawyer usually does. He's he's closing his closing arguments against these Judaizers. Paul will once again go back to an Old Testament illustration of Abraham, and we will see it used uh, in an allegory form to to make his point that grace supersedes the law. And and Paul at that point will rest 
his case. What will he use? What will we see that he's using today? Well, he's going to be using his two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. He's going to use his two wives and, and, and Sarah and Hagar. He's going to use them as two covenants. And then we will see him use two mountains. This is what Paul is going to use as an illustration today for, these, uh, for, for his letter that he is writing. So we will see these things today. So let's let's buckle up. Let's get our Bibles open into that. And before we do that, let's go before the Lord. And Father, we thank you again, Lord, and we come humbly before you to receive your word. Speak to us today, Lord, as we as we dive in and we learn more about you and learn more about uh, how we should be living our lives because you wrote this for that purpose. So we thank you and love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, here we go. We're going to be starting in verse 21. And it says this, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh and he of the the free woman uh, through the promise. Which things are symbolic? For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. And for this, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But but Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Verse 28 says, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was as children of promise, but as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. Even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of, of, of the bondwoman shall not be the heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but are free. That's awesome. Free. Again, Paul is using that word uh, that, that we are free. And this is, again, what he is trying to remind his, uh, his believers or his, uh, the, the, his readers that he is writing to. Now, the first thing we see is that Paul opens up with a question. Now, Paul may or may not have come, I don't know, maybe in a sarcastic way when he was asking him this question. He says, tell me, you want to be under the law? Do you not listen to the law? Now, this was being written to the Galatians, but for some reason, I think he's speaking of the, he's speaking to the Judaizers. He's like, tell me, you want to be under the law? Do you not listen to the law? In other words, Paul says, since you are so invested in living under the law, are you willing to listen to what the law really says? There's so, you're so wrapped up in the legalism, the Judaizers lived every moment for the law. So he's saying, if you are so uh, willing to, 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 to listen to this, you're so willing to believe this, and he's speaking to the Judaizers, I think, because he says, do you even listen to what the law says? You, you, do you even know what it says? And, and we do know that, and we read about what the law says, and but these and the law again leads to destruction. It leads that you, it says that you have to live perfectly by this. And we know that that is not true. So he says, are you even listening to what this, uh, what this is saying? 
Because Jesus uh, himself would address the Jewish leaders many times with this approach. Jesus told them in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 20, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, he did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. The chief priests and scribes would often make Jesus, uh, they would rebuke him for many things. And Jesus would return their rebuke with scripture, all the time with scripture. On one occasion, they rebuked Jesus for not disclaiming the title of son of David given to him on that palm, with that Palm Sunday crowd. And he, and, and he answered his rebuke in the same fashion as Paul did. Jesus would say, have you not read? Have you not read? And these, 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 these scribes and these chief priests had the scriptures and they would read the scriptures, but Jesus would ask them that question. Have you not read? If you had, you would have known. It's the same thing Paul is doing today, coming and saying, listen, or in, in that time, not today, Paul's not here, but he's saying in this letter, he's saying, don't you know what the law says? You know the law, but do you know what it says? Are you reading it? You see, reading scripture uh, is important for us. Knowing what it says can help us understand what is right and what is wrong, and most importantly, who Jesus is and his life and his ministry. These Judaizers thought they knew it all, and they still had no clue. They thought they were the ones that were, that were going to tell them what the scripture says, and if you need to believe it because we are so-and-so. We are the chief priests. We are the, the, the scribes, and, and that's the thing. So Paul had opened up with this question, and, and he's saying, tell me, tell me, like, seriously, let me know. Tell me who, uh, tell me you who desire to be under the law. Do you even hear what the law says? Do you even know what it says? So he opened up with that question for them to get their minds thinking. And now Paul goes back to, to Abraham uh, once again, and it's a background on his life found in verses 22 and 23. And it says this, it says that uh, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh and he of the free woman through the promise. Paul, once again, is reminding his, his readers of their forefather, Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. This is who Abraham was. And most Jews in Paul's day would say that since they were of Abraham's descent, since they were uh, descendants of Abraham, that that's how they attained their salvation. It was, I was in the family. And, and, and they, they, had, they had boasted to the point of arrogance in this genealogical, this pedigree that they had. Uh, and the Jews in Jesus's day had made the same appeal saying, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. So they were, they were going on Abraham. They were riding Abraham's coattails. Also, Jews in Paul's day believed that the relationship all it, all, all it be physical with it, with Abraham. And it put them in good standing with God because they were physically Abraham's seed. And this would leave them with this impression that they were heirs to God's promises and blessings just because they were descendants of Abraham, just because, uh, the, the, you know, this father of the Jewish nation and them being Jews, they were uh, fathered in, no pun intended. They were, they were added because of this, this, this genealogical, uh, uh, physical, uh, seed that they thought they, they, they belonged to Abraham. And unfortunately, we see people today that have that same mindset saying, I was born into a Christian family and they are hanging on to their parents' faith and that in turn will automatically qualify them. Well, let me tell you, that is completely false. 
That is completely false. Now, let me let me just say this: that if you have a, a three-year-old or a four-year-old son today, of course they're going to they're going to uh, be. Uh, uh, in your faith. They're going to latch onto your faith. They're seeing you. This is why it is so important, parents, that we they, well, we are we are serving God. We are loving God. We are living out what the scripture says because we have little people watching us. We have little people watching us. So we've got to be careful. And even when they're six and seven and eight and nine, I mean, to the point where they kind of know right or wrong, they know what's wrong and they can't really uh, uh, latch onto your faith anymore. I have a 19-year-old daughter. She does not latch on to my faith. She has her own faith, and that's what it should be. And to be saved, she has to believe in the, in the in Jesus Christ. She has to put her faith in him, not because we have, but because that's what she believes. So we see a lot of that today. We see a lot of people that that think just because they were in a Christian family and just because they go to church every Sunday that they are they're in because of this 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 I follow my parents. Well, that's not true. That is not true because what makes us what makes us Christians is, is putting our faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. Chuck Swindoll said it like this, and I love this. I, I I was thinking about this all week long as I was studying. Chuck Swindoll said it like this, and I quote: "People aren't born Christians; they become Christians. People aren't born Christians; they become Christians." And this is what this is what these 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 Judaizers needed to understand. Now, verse twenty-two, when it says, it's, "For it is written that Abraham had two sons, and by the one bondwoman and the other free woman." But twenty-three, verse twenty-three says, "But he who was of the bondwoman was was born according to the flesh, and and of the free woman the promise." You see, Abraham who had two sons. We know about that in the book of Genesis. We read that he had two sons, and they were different in many ways. They both had uh, they both had different mothers, one a bondwoman and the other a free woman. Son number one was Ishmael, whose mother was Hagar, the the the, the slave uh, maiden of 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 Sarah, Abraham's wife. And the second son was Isaac, whose mother was Sarah. Something to note here though, something to note in these two these two sons distinctions is the fact that the two sons had two different mothers. This was the distinction. They had two different mothers, and it wasn't the fact that they had the same father, but two different mothers. So that's where their distinctions come from. The one heritage through one mother is of bondage, and the other is of freedom and salvation. Paul hits home the reminder that he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he was uh, of the free woman was, uh, was born through the promise. Now this is something that we see that again those are the two uh, different uh, the two different uh, distinctions between the two of them and a little bit of that backstory we we read that it had been years after God had made this this promise to Abraham about a child and 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 Sarah had not yet had a child and God promised him a child and Sarah hadn't had it yet Abraham was about, I think he was about 86 and, and maybe Sarah was 76. I, I think that's what the ages were. And, and they started to feel a bit nervous and, and a little bit of fear. And I'm sure fear began to grip them because God had not done anything yet. And according to the, the custom in that day, Abraham's chief servant, Eleazar, I think I said that right, of Damascus, would be his only heir. This was, this was, concerning, to, to, this was concerning to Abraham. He said that, listen, I, I, you promised me God, but I haven't seen anything yet. And this is how we can get to the, the, you know, 
God makes us a promise or, or we pray in faith that something happens and, and we are so quick to get out ahead of God. But God in his timing and his perfect timing will bring about what his will is and what his plan is. So, but Abraham and Sarah, hmm. They, 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 at somewhere at some point, they started getting nervous because it wasn't happening uh, in their timing. And knowing this, Abraham cried out in despair. And, and God being good and loving reassured Abraham of his original promise by saying, this one, this Eliezer that you're talking about, he will not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And that's found in Genesis chapter 15, verses four, uh, verse four. So he was a little nervous that, that his, that his uh, chief servant was going to be the only guy that was going to be his heir. And he was probably, you know, he's saying, Lord, you promised me a son. You promised me an heir yet. I'm going to, this, this is all I got. This is, this is the only guy that is going to, to do that. And the Lord's is like, come on, man, hold on, hold on. I didn't say when that promise was going to come. I just said, I promised you. And like most of us who are quick to, like I said, get ahead of God and we're not trusting his timing. We take things into our own hands and we make it in our own way. Well, Abraham was no different because after a few more years, his wife, Sarah still had not had a child. And this is where it kind of went south for them. So they concocted this plan to, to have a child with her slave maiden, Hagar. Basically, they're saying, you know what? We don't trust you, God. We, 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 you promised us, but we don't see anything. So let's just do this. This is what we'll do. Uh, this is what we'll do, Abraham. Um, what we'll do is we'll take my slave uh, maiden and um, we'll have a child through her. And if for some reason, Abraham thought that was a good idea as well. Again, not trusting God, going out ahead of God and do things in their own way. And this is the birth of Ishmael. He was born according to the flesh. This doesn't mean because it was a physical birth. It means it was done through a scheme and this is how he was conceived. So he was born according to the flesh. And the scheme was devised again by Sarah and it was seen through by Abraham. It was motivated by wrong and selfish desires. So they thought God wouldn't or God couldn't do what was carried out by human means. They did it themselves because they just didn't think God can do it. And this was, it was carried out by human, uh, a human way, a human thought. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't good. Then there was Isaac and he was the son of the free woman, Sarah, the promise. This is what it was. He was, he was born through the promise. His birth was, was a supernatural one and not in the way that Jesus came into the world by the Holy Spirit, but instead the Holy Spirit enabled Abraham and Sarah to have a child, even though her childbearing days were long gone. They were gone. And maybe this is why Abraham and Sarah kind of got nervous because listen, they, they, they were getting up there in age and he just didn't think that it was going to happen. And a side note to that, uh, those who think God cannot hold true to his promises. When Isaac was born, Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. That is not, uh, that is not childbearing days. 90 is, is basically towards the end of your life. Uh, I mean, we 90 years old is, is, is pretty old. So God, but the most important thing is, is God came through on his promise in his timing and by by his plan Isaac was born and it was the promise that was that he was born now when we look at when we start getting into this we see that Ishmael represents man's way and that is of the flesh and Isaac represents God's way which is of the promise 
You see, the first son is, is, is religious self-effort and a works-based righteousness. And the second is the way of faith and God's righteousness. So that's the distinction between the two. Now, one is legalism and one is grace. One is legalism and one is grace. And John MacArthur describes this uh, part of scripture like this. And I quote, Ishmael symbolizes those who have had only natural birth and who trust in their own works. Isaac symbolizes those who also have had spiritual birth because they have trusted in the work of Jesus Christ. End quote. So John MacArthur explained it like that. Uh, Ishmael symbolizes those who, who have had natural birth, who trust in their own works, which is legalism. And, and the other, Isaac, uh, through spiritual birth, because they have trusted in the works of Jesus Christ, and that is grace. There, there's the difference. That is the difference. And now we're moving on. We see in verses 24 to 27, Paul will use uh, this, this allegory. And it says this in verse 24, which things are symbolic for, for, the two co- for there are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For, for this, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which is, which is and is in bondage with children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, who do, who you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are in labor. For the desolate may the de- desolate has many more children. She has no husband, or she is without a husband. Who has a husband? Sorry, messed that up. She who has a husband. Now, Paul now, it represents an, a spiritual analogy. It's an allegory. It's allegorically speaking. This would be something said or a story told uh, that would have uh, conveyed meaning other, uh, other than what, 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 have, what had been apparent, apparent in, in literal. And it's in the literal sense of the words. It's the idea of one thing being represented under the image of another. It is spiritual truth that Paul's talking about here, and he is using this historical story. Paul's illustration is of of the mindset that Hagar and Sarah represent two covenants. Hagar being the old covenant given to Moses on the Mount uh, on Mount Sinai, and this would uh, this would be agreed upon and bind the nation of Israel, citizens of the the earthly Jerusalem. It would be it would tie them together with the law and all of its statues. Statue and 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 it wasn't and it was understood it would bring earthly blessings and in, and in, in the into in the promised land. So this is what they were being told. It was this false teachers. That's what the Judaizers were. They were false teachers, and they were telling them all this stuff. But as we know that 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 was not the truth. We have been studying the law uh, that we've been studying this this like I said earlier uh, this law part for a while. It, it seems like it's repetitive, and uh, that's my fault for going slow. But as we have studied, we we see that it only leads to destruction. And when this Old Testament covenant was given to Moses, it required God's chosen people to the it was the Jews to keep all these commandments. And we know it's impossible to keep all of them. But there was only one that could do that, right? We all know that there's only one can do that. And with the law, if you broke one, you broke them all. So there's no way that any human being could possibly do that except the one. And on the other hand, there is Sarah, who represents the new covenant, which is solely based on God's promise. Not, not his law. It's not his law. It's his promise. And 
this would be Jesus who ratified this agreement on Calvary, right? One was done on Mount Sinai. Hagar, uh, you know, she represents uh, um, Mount Sinai, while Sarah, uh, through the promise, represents Jesus uh, ratifying this agreement on, the, on, on Calvary's hill. It would be Jesus's blood that would seal the deal. And anyone who will enter this covenant by faith alone in Jesus Christ, in him alone, would become the spiritual children of Abraham and in turn uh, be heirs to the heavenly Jerusalem. As believers, we have entered that covenant and now we are heirs with Christ, right? We have put our faith in Jesus Christ and, and by God's grace, through that faith, we are saved. And because of that, we are now heirs with Christ. That is a promise. And we see that and we will see that promise. And the heavenly Jerusalem are those who are saved through faith in Christ, like I said, and who have been freed from the bondage and the curse of the law. We are free, free. We don't have to worry about bondage anymore. We have been, those chains have been broken by uh, Jesus's finished work on Calvary. So we are free. So were the Galatian believers. And again, they were kind of, they were kind of looking back uh, at, at what was being, uh, at what was being said by these Judaizers. Now, Paul will finish his argument of, of the grace being superior to the law by again quoting something that the Judaizers would have been familiar with. And this is it's found in Isaiah 54.1. This is what, uh, what you know, it, it says that uh, rejoice, O barren, you do not, who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate uh, has many more children than she who has a husband. So, again, this is he. He was quoting uh, old old scripture, so they would they sh they should have known uh, in in Isaiah fifty four one, and this is, I, I love how Paul does that. I love that he just takes it and, and he he will take it and he will go to the Old Testament again. It goes back to the uh, the the question of what he was of of what he was actually talking about. Right, he was going back to have you not read the scriptures. And they, and they should have known. So he goes back to this, this Isaiah 54. And this is a, it's a very happy filled kind of hymn declaring the joy of a, 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 of a woman who, who was once barren. And Isaiah's words, when he wrote at the time, this was to, to the exiled Jews living in Babylon. And these words were spoken by Isaiah. He was, he was assuring them that the bondage that they were in would not last forever. And there would be come a day uh, that they would return to their land. And one day they'd become bigger in size. So, and we've seen that. We've seen that come, we've seen that come true. And, and so he was trying to tell them, listen, your bondage isn't going to last forever. It, it, it's not going to last forever. And we know it doesn't last forever because Jesus came and broke that bondage. So that's, that's good news. And Paul is, is pointing this out as well. Forsaken people, uh, you know, barren people, uh, underprivileged people, kind of like underdogs, I guess, if you want to call them, are God's speciality right? This is who God specializes in. These ones were the, were the ones on the outside looking in uh, uh, on God's blessings. And the Galatians were these as well. You see, the Judaizers were, their, their crazy theology was taking them down. It, their claim of, of only the people who participate in the Old Testament covenant and the law would be blessed and how wrong they were and how wrong they found out that they were. And this is why you have never have to wonder why Paul was so uh, upset and crazy because they were going down a road they shouldn't have been going down. 
Now, Paul gives, uh, if we pay attention uh, in, in verses 28 through 31, Paul is going to give, uh, basically he's going to give an application uh, to the illustrations that we've just been talking about, right? He gives an illustration, and, and, the, and we see uh, three kind of comparisons, right? The first is that Paul takes Isaac and compares his physical birth to the Galatians' spiritual birth, that they were children of the promise, that they were children of the promise. And this is something they should have, they, 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 when they put their faith in Christ, they, this is what they became. They became Christians and Christians become Christians through this promise. And Isaac, just as Isaac came into the, the world as a result of a promise to Abraham, Christians become uh, through, that, through that promise. And also they live the Christian life by that promise of grace, of God's grace. This is how we live our lives is through God's grace. It's something that we don't deserve. We don't deserve life. We, we deserve death. But by God's grace, he chose to send Jesus into the world that we may, the, the promise that we may be saved. And so that by God's grace, we are saved. By God's grace, you are who you are. By God's grace. And, and that's, that's how we live. And, and he's really looking at the, the main point in Isaac's birth is that his birth depended on on God entirely, nothing else, no help from the outside, nothing, it was all God entirely. For it, it, it was this work of God and not the work of Abraham or Sarah. They, they just, all they needed to do was just trust in God and God was gonna do the rest. But if you look at it, Ishmael's birth was the work of human beings. It was a plan con concocted by Sarah and Abraham. And so that was, he was the born of, 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 of humans, of a human scheme where uh, Isaac was born of God, uh, his, his plan entirely just him. And the second comparison is, is Ishmael's uh, kind of harassment of Isaac that we find. It says, but he who, ha who was born according to the flesh uh, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. And this was, this was Ishmael harassing Isaac. This is what we read about. Now, I don't know what he was, how he did it or, or, or why he did it. Bible really doesn't say, but he did it anyway. And if you look at it, if you really look at today's landscape, Ishmael was an Arab, right? He was, he was an Arab. And this, 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 this problem uh, between the first Arab Ishmael and the second being Jewish, Isaac being Jewish, is the same con con conflict we see today. We see it today as we speak. We see, we see Israel being attacked by Arabs. So nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And that's, this is what he's, this is the second comparison of, of the two was that Ishmael harassed Isaac, one being an Arab, one being a, a Jew. And we see that a lot of that problem uh, today in, in our news. And it says, even, even so it is now, like I said. Now, these legalists, they always, they want to persecute uh, people that have grace, people that have put their faith in God because grace and legalism, again, are polar opposites. They are, they are completely different than each other. So this is why legalists want to persecute people, uh, uh, that pe the, the people that put their faith in Christ and have grace because the two can't live together. And, and as Christians, as believers today, we should expect opposition from people right? Legalists, people that don't believe in, in Jesus, all that stuff. We are going to be, we're going to be uh, opposed by these people. And, and it's crazy how, even how people hate the, the grace of God, right? Oh, there's no such thing as God's grace. So we live in a fall. We live, this world is messed up. And if God was grace, if he had grace, he would have, this would happen, this would happen, this would happen. Mm -mm. That's not true. God is good and he gives grace. And, but people still, they can't stand 
they can't stand God's grace. Now in verse 30, it says, nevertheless, what does scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son for the son of the bondwoman shall not be the heir of the son of the, the, the free woman. And this is where we kind of see our, 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 our final uh, comparison in the two. And that's between uh, Hagar and Ishmael by, by Abraham and the responsibility of Christians to reject legalism. We need to reject. This is what Paul was saying. You knew the truth. You reject what has not been taught to you, taught you because I I told you back earlier in my letter that any gospel that you hear that has not come from us is is not the real gospel. It's not the true gospel. So they they should have known. They should have rejected this legalism. And and Paul will really kind of hang on Sarah's words and cast out the bondwoman. You see, the Galatian Christians they needed to they they need to have a firm stand on this. They should have just put their foot down and, and said, you know, get these legalizing Judaizers out of here. They needed to to cast out this legalism out from from get get away from me. Get it all away from me. We don't want to see it. We don't want, no, that's not true. And yet they, 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 they entertained the idea. You see, again, as I said, legalism and grace cannot stand each other. They cannot be together because one eliminates the other. If people, if people today, if, if, if people do not receive grace, then there, there really is no hope for them right? There's nothing that they can do. There's no hope for them at all if they don't receive this grace. And all is left is, is just basically for, for God to say, hey, sorry, you know, I mean, I'm giving you this free gift of grace and, and they don't take it. And we, we cannot receive anything from God except through grace. That's the, mo- that's the difference is we can't accept anything except through God's grace and other people that, like I said, if they don't receive God's grace and there's no hope for them, they, they're lost. They're in trouble. They're in trouble. So uh, going on, the, finally, in the verse 31, he says, So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of, of the free. Now, Christians and, and strong Christians, you know, ones that, that have been walking with the Lord for a while, and hopefully this is where some of uh, new believers will get, they don't, they don't follow the legalism trail. But what they do follow is they follow grace. Legalism's out. Grace is in for the believer. This is what uh, what we should be doing as as mature believers. And 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 people that are so entrenched in grace, they are people who trust in Christ alone, not for anything else. But they trust in Christ alone, and it's by their faith alone in Christ. That's it. No other means. Nothing. Nothing else. There, there, there cannot be any other works. There's nothing that goes on it. We have faith in Christ. And we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And that's how we are free. That's how we get our salvation. And, and they are free in, in their relationship to God because of Jesus. It was because of Jesus that we can have this relationship. It was that gap that was finally, um, that, that was finally um, bridged. And that's what Jesus did. It's almost like I see that illustration of a, of a cross standing up and, and there's, a, there's a big gully and that cross falls and that's the bridge between us and God. And it's all because of what Jesus did. So today, as we end this, as we end all this law talk, it feels like we've been uh, in, a, in a courtroom of sen- uh, in a sense, we are seeing that, that law and grace cannot exist. And Paul did a great job of using Abraham, his two sons, his two wives, the two covenants, the two Jerusalems, uh, all this stuff to convey to him that at the end, we need to cast out the bondwoman. Now that you've seen all this, now that you've seen what Hagar represents, which is the law, Ishmael, the law, the old covenant, the law, Judaism, 
the law, to Sarah, which is grace, Isaac, which is grace, uh, the, the covenant given, uh, uh, ratified by Jesus on Calvary through grace, right? We see that he- earthly, uh, the earthly Jerusalem is, is, is law, but heavenly Jerusalem is, is, is grace. Now that we've seen that, and Paul has is, is, is put that out there, the choice is yours. That's what he's saying. The choice is yours. I have, I, I, he said, man, even back uh, in the earlier chapters, he said, did I not, like, ha- have I been like um, laboring in vain for you guys? Like, have I just been like wasting my time? No, Paul loved them and he knew they were in trouble. And this is why he wrote this urgent letter to them so they can understand that it's your choice. You make the choice, but here's my argument. This is what you're going to get if you choose law, or this is what you're going to get if you choose grace. And so today we choose grace. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today and you put your faith in him, you choose grace. You choose faith through him through, for salvation and no other way. There's no other way. And Jesus even says that, you know, I am the, tr- I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no one sees the Father but through me. So that's how we have to, we have to throw out these legalists. We have to throw out these false teachers that, that aren't going to do anything but harm us. We need to cast them out. We don't need them to linger around. We need to cast them out. You need to have the boldness to, today to cast them out. You have the Bible, you have, you have scriptures, and, and you have good Bible teachers that, are, that, will, that will teach you this stuff. But the most important thing is pick up the Bible, read it for yourself, understand it for yourself, and you'll see what false teachers can do, what they, what, what they, what they shouldn't be doing. But you'll, you, can, you can sniff them out if you're reading Scripture and you're really studying. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for the scriptures. We need it. We need it. We need it for for promises. Lord, we need it for instruction. We need it for everything. It's it's an everyday it's an everyday thing, Lord. We need the Bible. And we thank you, Lord, that you gave that to us and that's your revelation uh, of yourself to us. And Lord, we I pray that we study it uh, every single day with excitement, with 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 just it we're thirsty for the word and lord we need that's our quenching for the thirst so we thank you for the for the word and lord i pray for anybody listening today that that maybe has been listening to uh other things other than the bible i pray that they would come back lord the things that aren't true the things that aren't of you lord i pray if anybody's been listening to a false teacher lord that they realize that make that make that known to them father and so they can turn back and listen to your word today lord um, and we can learn from the Galatian believers, Lord, that we are free. Jesus, for, from everything that you've done for us, we are free now. So we don't have any worries uh, because we are free from that bondage. And we are going to spend eternity to you as heirs. So we thank you for that, Jesus. And Lord, I do pray for our country. I pray for our president. I pray for our vice president. I pray for Congress. I pray for the Senate, Lord, that you would instill your will. Lord, your plans would be done. Lord, they would seek you. Today, Lord, they would seek salvation. Lord, the ones that don't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that even today as we, as we pray, that they would realize their need, Lord, and they would turn to you. Lord, we lift up, your, we lift up your, the apple of your eye. We lift up Israel now, Lord. I pray you put a hedge of protection around them. God, you would protect them from all these missiles being fired. You would protect them from any uh, insurgents coming in, any of that stuff, Lord. We know that, that um, Israel is, is, is your nation, and we stand with Israel. I stand with Israel. This podcast stands with Israel, Lord. Um, and we thank you the, for your protection for them. So we lift all of this up to you in your mighty son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey guys, uh, that's it. We're out of chapter four and we're going to start chapter five next week. And hopefully we can, uh, we can get through that um, because I have some, like I said, I have some ideas and um, a little series that I want to do uh, after Galatians 
um, is called Who I Am in Christ. And we're going to, it'll only be a couple weeks, uh, maybe three weeks, and we're going to go through who you are in Christ. You are redeemed. You are saved. And and we'll go through all those things and and read the scriptures and, and kind of get excited about who we are in Christ because, man, we are somebody in Christ. So, um, but again, thank you guys. If you want to visit our website, it is crosslightbiblestudy.com wordpress.com. You can visit us there. You can leave us prayer requests. Uh, you can listen to the podcast on there. There's so much you can do. So tell your friends, visit uh, that. Other than that, I love you guys. I thank you for the support and Lord willing, we'll be back next week. God bless. This has been the Crosslight Bible Study Podcast. For more information about the podcast, or if you'd like to leave a prayer request, visit us on our website at crosslightbiblestudy.com.